It's Independence Day. So let's talk about what's going on in America. Freedom is under attack in your state. Dictator Ron DeSantis incredibly lets you walk around without masks. That tyrant allows your kids to go to school during the pandemic, year two or four, or who the hell knows. I urge you living in Florida to join the fight. Or join us in California, where we'll take the money you earn and give it to people who don't work. Visit San Francisco, where you can walk through human feces. If you're lucky, you might step on a syringe. Check out Los Angeles, where gas is so expensive, your kids only need to skip a meal or two or ten to afford it. California, where freedom means lockdowns for you, while I go to the places you can't afford. Don't let them take your freedom. Come to California, where we'll take it, along with your money. What up, yo? I'm Dave Rubin. This is The Rubin Report. It is September 8th, 2022. And that cold open there, that was my buddy Trey Raydell, former Floridian congressman, uh, Trey Raydell, uh, who covered the, uh, the southwest portion of Florida. Uh, he put up that video about six weeks ago. I, I just thought I saw it again this morning. It bumped up in my feed somehow. And I thought it would sort of be perfect for today because uh, California is basically enrolling blackouts right now because of that ridiculous man, Gavin Newsom and his ridiculous policies. And here in the free state of Florida, uh, it's nice and chilly in the studio. We normally keep it at 66, which, you know, you got to keep a studio chilled so that you're not sweating, so you're not getting the shine on your face. It also kind of keeps me and the team awake. David Letterman, little insider TV knowledge for you. David Letterman, for the 30 years that he did his show, used to keep that studio as cold as you could possibly get because you want, especially during comedy, you want people to be awake and alert. Like if it gets warm in there, people start going like this and wiping the brow and everything, people start falling asleep and not paying attention. Uh, but uh, Gavin Newsom wants people in California right now to keep their thermostats above 78 degrees. He even put out a video uh, telling people to do that and he was wearing a fleece while indoors. So uh, you think that maybe he's not gonna follow that. You think that maybe Nancy Pelosi's not gonna follow that. Point being people, I love Florida. How about that? Uh, we're gonna do a uh, rubenreport.locals.com Q&A for you today, and it is uh, totally uncensored as always. Uh, but first I wanted to talk to you guys about some, I saw a couple, we're just gonna catch up on a few little COVID related things, because look, I get it. COVID has nothing to do with my life. It probably has nothing to do with your life, and you can take whatever precautions you still want. But there is a set of people, whether it is Justin Trudeau, who I'm gonna focus on today up in Canada, who is just, he, he is the Gavin Newsom of Canada, right? You talk about authoritarian, these shell people, they look a certain way and they speak a certain way and that's how they've become successful, uh, but they don't stand for their people or for freedom or anything like that. Uh, he put out a video yesterday that's absolutely chilling. Then we've got this ridiculous Fauci guy and a couple other COVID maniacs that we're just gonna, we're gonna mock appropriately and then move on. Uh, and then I'll get to some questions. Before we do all that, let me talk to you guys about Patriot Supply. Friends, would you like to save a lot of money while getting prepared for the coming food shortages? They're probably on the way, especially if you're in California. Uh, go to preparewithruben.com, preparewithruben.com, and you'll save $250 on a three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. They're the nation's largest preparedness company with millions of satisfied customers, but right now they've cut their prices to the lowest in three years. They're temporarily charging less so they can help Americans more. 
They know it's time to get everyone prepared for what's coming. So go to preparewithruben.com and save 250 bucks off a three-month emergency food kit that's packed with a wide variety of delicious meals. Be sure to get one kit for each member of your family. At this price, you can afford to. They're in stock and ship fast with free delivery. Your order will arrive in unmarked boxes for your privacy. Don't wait. The sale ends soon and might not be repeated. Go to preparewithruben.com right now. Preparewithruben.com. And now back to me. Okay. So Justin Trudeau is the prime minister up in Canada. Uh, frankly, I'd rather refer to him as a dictator. He, has, he got in with like less than 30% of the vote. We know that he's locked his people down. He was forcing people to get injected. He did not let non-vaccinated people leave the country via airplane. Uh, he has just done almost everything absolutely wrong. He threatened uh, the truckers who were peacefully protesting with jail time and freezing bank accounts. He, he's just terrible. He's just terrible. Uh, well, he uh, is still big on the vaccine thing and uh, he's threatening people once again yesterday. Here we go. COVID's not done with us yet. We might want to be done with it, but it's still around. And yes, we have a lot more tools, a lot more understanding, a lot more knowledge on how to keep ourselves and our loved ones safe that have allowed us to get back to regular life in a lot of ways for a whole bunch of people. There is a real risk of another serious wave of COVID. One of the best things we can do to prevent that wave, prevent the pressure on our healthcare system, prevent provinces from having to take decisions around restrictions and mandates, is to ensure that everyone is up to date in their vaccinations. We have new vaccines coming out this month that are tailored against Omicron that will provide better protection and everyone should get out and get vaccinated. If we are able to hit that 80, 85, 90% of Canadians up to date in their vaccinations, we'll have a much better winter with much less need for the kinds of restrictions and rules that were so problematic for everyone over the past years. Man, you know how I have to apologize to you guys when I show clips of The View? It's like, I sort of feel like I have to apologize when I show clips of Trudeau. He's so inauthentic, that way of speaking. Sort of, I'm not really a human and I'm trying to pretend I'm a human. So this is, I do it and I have nice socks and my shirt fits and that's what I'm doing. Uh, now, first off, there's just so much nonsense there. We have more information now and blah, blah, blah. None of the stuff that he did in the first place was based on any factual information. It was based on, can we exert government power over you, the citizens, and how far can we push you before you push back? And then finally, when you do push back, say the truckers, we're gonna uh, push even further. Um, he then wants 80 to 90% of people to be vaccinated so that they won't have to do the same stuff that didn't work last time. And he's also saying that this new vaccine will really deal with the Omicron variant. The Omicron variant, which I got, uh, which almost everyone got. Remember when that went bananas here in the United States, at least right around Christmas time. It was right actually when I moved to Florida, though I got it in LA, I know exactly where I got it. Um, it was it was the flu. My legs hurt for a few days. That's it. And I'm not vaxxed and I'm never getting vaxxed. Uh, and you as a government authority have no right to tell anyone what to do with their bodies, which is exactly what you guys would say if perhaps we were talking about abortion. So he's just a fraud. He's trying to scare people again and they want you to be injected with stuff even though they don't know if it really does anything. And they'll do that all under the guise of if you don't do that thing, uh, well, we're also gonna lock you down again. 
Well, uh, here in the United States, Anthony Fauci, who I guess is finally stepping down and who should be shamed and embarrassed to ever show his face anywhere in public ever again, uh, he's now realizing, because he told us originally that the vaccines work and you're not gonna get and transmit COVID, that's what Joe Biden also said, uh, that they don't really work as promised. And uh, since they don't really work, uh, but uh, you know, we kind of want the drug companies to make money, how about we uh, just give you one every year? It is becoming increasingly clear that looking forward with the COVID-19 pandemic, in the absence of a dramatically different variant, we likely are moving towards a path with a vaccination cadence similar to that of the annual influenza vaccine with annual updated COVID-19 shots matched to the currently circulating strains for most of the population. Yeah, no. No, I'm not gonna do it. You gonna do it? No, you, no, you, no. Okay, what are you gonna do? You gonna come and get us? Uh, buffoon, absolute buffoon. The vaccines did not work as promised, do not work as promised. He doesn't even know if you get them every year, how long they will work. Complete nonsense. And then just one more thing on this. I don't wanna dwell on COVID that often, but I think every now and again, we just gotta show these little blip moments where you just see that they just keep moving on this stuff, right? So you can live your life, you can ignore all of it, but there is this machine version of it that's just passing through, that's convincing people that they still have to listen to these people and do all this stuff and, and be scared and afraid and all of that. Uh, this is COVID response coordinator Ashish Jha uh, saying the goal is not to get back to normal, but something else perhaps. I've heard Secretary Cardona say this over and over again. You know, people do talk about going back to normal. And I've heard Mr. Secretary uh, say, you know, normal wasn't working out so well for, for some people. And so the goal in my mind is not to go back to normal. The goal is to build a very different new normal that has equity much more at the heart of it. Yeah, well, then every now and again, they tell you the quiet part, right? Uh, no more old world. I thought that old world was pretty good. You remember that old world? It was a hell of a lot better than this. Yeah. Uh, well, they want a new world and they want equity to be part of it. When you say you want equity in health, that is the most anti, I would say, Hippocratic oath thing that you could possibly say, because what you're saying is we want equity. Now, that means that everyone based on their, because these people love skin color and gender and sexuality, everyone across the board will get the same amount of COVID and will have the same amount of deaths and all of that stuff. You know what that means, basically? Uh, it means that what they want, in essence, is more dead white people. That really is the end result of what they want. I have no doubt Media Matters is going to clip this and post it, but that is what they want when they say want equity in healthcare. Uh, and by the way, that's not even an exaggeration because we know that cities in the United States, I believe Seattle did it and a couple others, were giving uh, vaccines based on skin color. Right, and eventually they'll do it based on sexuality and everything else. Whether, whether the vaccines work or not is a moot point, but you, this is them ushering in their great reset. It's ushering in their new world. I just don't want anything to do with it. I got one more on Fauci because I saw this this morning um, and it's a, it's a side-by-side -side of Fauci on how he decides what we should be doing when it comes to certain things like hydro, uh, HCQ uh, versus uh, when it comes to vaccines. I mean, this is really extraordinary. Watch this. When I do see a randomized placebo-controlled trial that looks at any aspect of hydroxychloroquine, either early study, middle study, or late, if that randomized placebo-controlled trial shows efficacy, I would be the first one 
to admit it and to promote it. So I just have to go with the data. I don't have any horse in the game one way or the other. It hasn't been proven in a clinical trial because we don't have time to do a clinical trial because we need to get the vaccine out now. That second video that you saw there, that's from a day or two ago. So do you see that what he just did there when it was HCQ and people were saying, hey, this might work, uh, this might prevent COVID or might lessen the symptoms. He needed way more data. Guys, we need studies. We need data, early studies, late studies. You got to throw me something. Give me some papers on the desk to look at. Now that it's, oh, maybe it'll be annual vaccines for you guys. We got to rush this shit out, people. We can't look at the data. We don't have time for paper. I could get a paper cut. They are just absolutely awful. I, I just cannot believe that anyone thinks that Anthony Fauci, the highest paid person in the federal government, $420,000 a year on top of, I think he's gonna make that salary continually while he retires and God knows how much money he's made through all of the vaccine stuff and everything else and all of the shady deals and what information he gave to people related to drug companies. Like he just reeks of all of those things. I am the science. No, I, I am the lies. That's what he really is. Anyway, I just wanted to get through a little bit of that. Let's not freak out about COVID. Uh, oh, and the White House also has this new monkeypox advisor that actually I'm pretty sure is spreading monkeypox, but that's a whole other story. Let's talk about real estate agents I trust and then get to the questions. Uh, you guys know that buying or selling a home is already one of the most stressful things you can do. And it can be 10 times worse if you're not working with the right agent. Our homes are often our biggest investment, which of course is a ton of responsibility and you need an agent who takes that seriously, which is why I recommend real estate agents I trust. They work with only the best agents in every market. They do their homework talking to every agent before inviting them to join their network. And here's a big one. They only work with full-time pros, no part-time or inexperienced agents. Their team makes the introduction and follows you through the buying or selling process to make sure that you're satisfied. The agents they work with have long track records. They're the best sellers in their field. They're part of this audience. They share your values and they're almost anywhere you wanna go. Just go over to realestateagentsitrust.com today. Give them some info. They'll contact you, make an intro to their preferred agent, and then you will move to Florida and live happily ever after. Okay, rubenreport.locals.com community Q&A. Here we go. It's a good mix today. Uh, Big Poppy. Is that David Ortiz, former Red Sox star David Ortiz? Uh, in the banana world, uh, how are you and David going to shield the two boys from all the mashuga? Great word. Little Yiddish to lighten up the show today. Um, how are we going to do it? I mean, we've had some talks about that stuff, like especially related to schools and stuff. Like, you know, Florida happens to have particularly good public schools, right? This was partly why Ron DeSantis was doing uh, the whole, remember, don't say gay. He was trying to push the nonsense out of the schools because it was even leaking into schools here. And there's something funny about the, uh, the Florida public school situation because it used to be mocked constantly. Florida was always mocked. I remember when I was growing up, Florida was mocked. I grew up in suburban New York area outside of New York City where we had great schools. My, my, uh, my high school was a blue ribbon school you know, they, they put tax money to education and it worked. I don't know if it works anymore, but Florida, because there was no state income tax, everyone felt, oh, they don't fund schools. The schools are horrible, blah, blah, blah. We know that's just not the case right now. Florida has some of the best schools uh, in the country, public schools I'm talking about. They have great pi private schools too. Uh, I can't imagine, partly also because of me being a public figure that will send our kids to public school, maybe private school. You know, we've talked a little bit about homeschooling or pod schooling. You know, we've got a couple year window on this, um, but I will not. I mean, I can tell you as a father for, for just a month so far, like when you're holding that kid and you realize you have, 
this precious, innocent, true thing that you're responsible for what, at some level, for a certain period of time, you're responsible for what information will, will enter them, what beliefs will enter them, what worldview will enter them. Well, I'm gonna do everything that I possibly can do, and David as well, to make sure that the right ideas get in them. And I don't, I would, that's the thing about, when you hear about these teachers, that want to talk to someone else's kid, someone else's five-year-old about sex or gender or race or any of this stuff, infect them with these crazy ideas and that parents willfully do it or think that it's the good thing to do or they tell these kids, you know, we want to talk to you about gender affirmation. You know, they always say that the surgeries, these are gender affirming care. But, but even that, it's a flip on reality. It's not gender affirming care. If you're chopping off someone's genitals, it's gender unaffirming care. That, doesn't, that isn't to say that someone can't live as a trans person, obviously. Uh, but it's not affirming their gender, it's unaffirming their gender. Their gender, boy, girl. I, when we went to the hospital, baby came out, it's a boy, okay? They didn't say, it's whatever you want it to be. So we got work to do on that. It, it's a good question and, and uh, I'll try to be as open and honest about it with you guys as possible. Uh, Nick says, while you were gone this August, I decided to rewatch your first direct messages. I noticed that your demeanor and voice have changed from being more playful to more professional now. Do you think that's due to fatherhood or becoming Florida man? Boy, you know, my general sort of outlook on this show is I try to do it in a, in a fun way, in a somewhat light way and some humor and silliness and you know, with some degree of uh, smile on my face when possible, despite dealing often with a lot of nonsense. Uh, but then at the same time, you know, as the mainstream media has lied more and more, I guess I do feel a certain degree of pressure to do it a little more professionally all the time. So I don't know, I don't know. I mean, I can tell you this, when, when we do a show that I know I'm like, man, like, you know, we cold close it and then we are all sitting here doing the recap for a few minutes. Like the shows that make me the happiest are the ones that are the funniest, for sure. If these guys are laughing and I know I hit a couple things, like to me, that's like the most fun for me and, and the most valuable for me. Because if I can make you laugh about politics, um, well then hopefully like there's a reason, there's a reason to watch this. There, there's a million other shows. You could turn on a million other shows, whether it's on cable news or whether it's on YouTube or whatever, to see people ranting and crazed about politics and everything else. So I'm trying to do just sort of the right blend of, of lightness and humor and seriousness. But truth be told, like, I don't think about it that much. Like we set up a show and then I do it and it's not scripted and sometimes it's gonna be funnier and sometimes it's gonna be more serious and all that stuff. Uh, Shelly says, any bets on how long Corinne Jean-Pierre is gonna last? It has to be very painful lying all day and every day. Plus she's so stupid. It's gotta be quite a strain trying to think of dumb stuff to fit the narrative. I mean, it's really incredible what happened to this woman. You guys know, I mean, for a year, I don't know that anyone mocked uh, Jen Psaki. Jen Psaki, more than I did, right? Like she was so horrible and you could see it on her face, the pain of lying all the time. And she was just, you know, I'll circle back and couldn't say anything true, right? What was my line on her always? It was, if you asked her what her favorite color was, she would say four. Like the woman simply could not say something true. And then they bring in Corinne Jean-Pierre and she is absolutely unqualified. They made it clear that the reason they brought her in was because she was a black lesbian. They, that's what they believe is the most important thing. It's not your qualifications or your competence. 
It is, do you check this box? Does your skin color look like this? Does your sexuality look like this? That's enough to get the gig. And, and this is across the entire administration. She's horrible. I mean, she is an absolutely horrible press secretary. She is a, not only a horrible press secretary, but she's the easiest job in the world because if it wasn't for Peter Ducey, there's no one in there that's asking her any difficult questions, right? But she can't answer anything honestly. She mispronounces things constantly. She barely knows what she's talking about. She's smug and dismissive. Uh, you know, just the other day, they were asking her about, Peter Ducey, of course, was asking her, hey, you know, you used to be uh, for uh, talking about elections that are illegitimate. You called Donald Trump's election illegitimate and you sort of implied that uh, they stole the election in, in Georgia from Stacey Abrams, blah, blah, blah. And like, she has nothing to say. So she just laughed, oh, this is just ridiculous and just laughs it off. So uh, how long will they go with her? They'll probably ride her out till the end of this thing because she has the, she has the force field of protection that only black lesbianism can provide. There's a sentence I've never said before. Uh, Allendad says, hello, Dave. What are your future endeavors professionally? Do you have plans laid, laid out at all? Well, look, the big thing on the horizon for me right now is obviously we took locals and it was just an idea that I had. It was like, can we build a subscription model for us and see what happens? And then we were like, boy, it kind of works. And then we started you know, offering it up to other people. And then the Rumble people approached and now we're one company. Uh, and there's just like so much energy right there because we're not gonna censor people based on political beliefs. And it's like the machine is. So there's so much energy going towards Rumble and Locals right now. Uh, and although I don't own the company anymore, I am an advisor to the company and, and it's me and Dan Bongino mainly are the sort of public facing people to discuss. So when there's issues around speech or around hate speech or some of this other stuff, we can be out there talking about how we're making the policies and we're working with uh, we're working with the lawyers and all the people to, to work through all of that stuff. And it's not nothing on top of the technological issues to deal with. So that's sort of the tech part of my life. I'll tell you one thing that I'm really interested in that I've, I haven't really done much of. Um, well, I certainly haven't done any at a work level. I've done some probably, I, I'm really interested maybe in getting into some like real estate or like building. I, there's so much construction going on here in Florida and I love watching houses go up. We did a bunch of construction here at the house and picking finishes and windows and colors and wood and floors and marble and like all of this stuff. And I really do think it's fun and, and cool. David's particularly good at it. So I could, I think maybe we could spin off some other business. Uh, and also David's working on his cookbook, which now with one baby and now another baby coming, it's getting hard. So we were thinking of maybe combining that into one cookbook for everybody to get it out a little bit faster. So uh, we shall see. Mama Bear says, hey Dave, what are some of the nicknames you've been calling baby Justin? Just curious. I had several for each of mine and they were in no relation to their actual names. You know, it's funny. I, uh, because I do this during the day and I'm often in the studio and everything else, the way the mornings have gone. And if you're in locals, uh, that's where I've been posting pictures of Justin. I'm not really posting them uh, publicly anywhere. Um, but I, I wake up early. Um, I sit with him, uh, sometimes feed him depending on where his sleep schedule is at. But that's how I'm starting my morning these days for at least a half hour. And I have to tell you, it's much better than being on Twitter. Uh, and it's a nice way to like, just kind of get a little perspective in the morning and, and just kind of, it's almost like, I mean, for any of you that have a newborn or have had a newborn, it's like, it's like a drug in a way, like, cause you see this, this human that is a blank canvas. And it's like, it's your responsibility, as I said earlier, to like fill them with the right things. And it's like, what an incredible opportunity that is. And if that doesn't, you know, make you better, 
I don't know what possibly would. Uh, so it's been a great way to start the day. Uh, I do a lot of funny accents with him and silly voices and a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, mostly if I was to repeat those accents uh, on air right now, people would be calling me racist, but they're not racist. They're just funny accents. Um, and I like make up languages and all sorts of stuff. Um, I call him Mr. Burrito often because uh, when they wrap him up in the swaddle, I don't do the swaddle. I can't figure it out. It's very confusing to me. Daphne, you doing the swaddle? You do the swaddle. All right, so maybe Daphne's gonna give me some swaddle tips, but I've tried. We have all these, big, you know about the swaddle? It's basically a, uh, a sheet that you wrap the child up in, almost like you're sending them to a mental institution so that they can't, you know, you're putting them in a padded cell, they're locked in this thing, and then they look like a little burrito. So I call him Mr. Burrito. And, uh, oh, and then in the morning, I usually start with him upstairs because we have a nice window up there. And then I bring him down and David's usually downstairs making coffee or something. And I say, I present the child. It's like Simba. And I hold him up and Clyde jumps up and down. Music starts playing. It's a whole thing. Kelly says, uh, do you really think people are turning out to vote based mostly on abortion? I don't understand the change in the polls. Well, other than they're left leaning. So I guess a couple of polls have come out lately with the implication that maybe it's not going to be the crazy red wave that everyone's anticipating. First off, I don't put that much stock into these polls. We often find that they are widely and wildly skewed uh, depending on who they're coming from. So I wouldn't get too lost in that. I would say, number one, you gotta keep your eye on the ball. Even here in Florida, where it's like Ron DeSantis is obviously gonna win. This guy, Charlie Crist, is just a nothing in a suit. And, and the idea that you could live in a place like Florida and not realize why it is such a great place and who were the people that, that fought for that is just, is just nonsense. Uh, but we also know that you know Florida now has something like a 300,000 surplus in registered Republicans. Then Democrats, when DeSantis got in, I think it was down by about 50 grand. So it's, it's pretty incredible what's happening here. But to talk about it at a more uh, wide level, the abortion thing, I think, Mostly, and the, and the reason you're asking the question is the media, because the media are Democrats and everything that's mainstream are Democrats. They are upset about the abortion situation and they, they are using that to fire up people to vote. Now, are, there are a certain amount of people who will vote on abortion. Everything being equal, at least from where I sit, you're, even it, whether you're solidly pro-life or solidly pro-choice, abortion in and of itself shouldn't necessarily be, I can't speak to everybody, so I'll speak for myself. It's not in my, let's say, top five things that I would vote on, say, relative to the economy or policing or borders or things like that. Things that, things that I think the state should solidly be involved in and that they're, if you elect the right people, they can guide you properly in those things. Uh, and if you look at the country two years after COVID, it's like, what were the things we, that we really suddenly realized were important for governments to do or not do? Abortion, because it is more about personal responsibility of the woman and the man and what decisions people want to make after being pregnant and everything else. For me, it's a little bit lower. That's not to dismiss the importance of life and all of those things. Um, I don't know which way it's going to push people because I, I think you can argue it either way that the, the people who are upset about the Roe v. Wade thing, that maybe a certain set of, of younger women will get out and vote in ways that they wouldn't have otherwise because nobody really likes Joe Biden, so they wouldn't have been fired up in a midterm, but they have a little extra juice. But I think there's another, a counter argument would be that Republicans who maybe were gonna be a little bit complacent, uh, they see the craziness coming from the left and they will vote more. So I, I don't know that there's a way to really calculate that properly. Uh, Mark says, Dave, how did you and David decide on the name Justin 
Please confirm that it is in no way related to the douchebag, your words, not mine, uh, we have as prime minister here in Canada. No, and we were worried about this. I thought if we named the child Justin, people were going to say, but what about Justin Trudeau? Uh, as some of you know, I said this uh, on a lot of the tour stops. I wanted, there was a huge part of me that wanted to name the kid Brandon uh, because I just thought like everywhere he goes, people are going to say, let's go Brandon. He'll become like Forrest Gump. It'll be amazing. Uh, but the reason that we went with Justin is that David's parents had a first child who uh, unfortunately uh, passed away when he was about six months old, had a heart condition, uh, so would have been our Justin's uncle. Uh, David's parents went on to have, he's the third of three children that are, are still here. Has So Justin has on that side a great uncle and a great aunt. Um, and uh, so it was very obvious for us. Uh, it's the first grandchild on David's side of the family. So it was, uh, I think for David's parents was, was very powerful. And uh, we have, I think we've basically settled on a name for number two. Um, and also we happen to have liked the name Justin, like it really did work. We have, a, you know, everyone, when you're having kids, you got a list of names you like. One person likes these names, one person likes these names. You hopefully have a couple that you both like and you can, and you can figure it out. Uh, okay, we got a couple more questions. Let me just talk to you guys about the Blaze real quick. Uh, as you know, I was gone in August. Larry Elder gave me a rundown of all that happened when I was away, and it was a ton. Was I surprised to hear that Zuckerberg helped the FBI, aka the government, manage the Hunter Biden laptop story? No, not really. Were you? Was I surprised to hear that Gavin Newsom is continuing to destroy California with neuro-laughable measures? No, not really. Were you? Think, MSNB, think of MSNBC like California and Blaze TV like Florida or Texas. You'd have to be crazy to believe California will suddenly see and admit to the error of their ways. For the same reason, you'd have to be crazy to think that MSNBC will ever be fair and report the news without a rabid left-wing agenda. That's why Blaze TV matters. It's the network for Americans who actually love the country as founded. It's where people can say what needs to be said without fear of censorship. You know how strongly I believe in free speech. Well, Blaze TV supports free speech the way the founders intended. So this week and this week only, Blaze TV is offering $20 off the first year of a Blaze TV subscription. We're heading into the midterms. You're going to want news from a network that isn't run by Democrats or the spouses of Democrats. Use promo code Ruben20 for $20 off your first year subscription to Blaze TV. It's time to normalize free speech. Elizabeth says, do you think a Ron DeSantis Tulsi Gabbard ticket in 2024 is a winning presidential ticket. Do you think Tulsi would run with Ron? Uh, and lastly, can you have Tulsi on the show again? Uh, we'll absolutely have Tulsi on the show again, and I will gladly ask her that. Uh, Tulsi and I become friends uh, off camera as well, and she's, she's just really a decent, thoughtful person. I think, as I've said before about Tulsi before, she has to decide, and she's no longer in Congress, right? This was a Democrat Congresswoman. She, by the way, was the last Democrat who stayed in the running. When they handed it to Biden and everybody got out and they cut their deals so that Gay Pete would be transportation secretary and everyone got what they needed from Biden, uh, she stayed in it. So the machine was really not happy with her. Hillary Clinton literally called her a Russian asset. Remember that? So the machine hates her. Uh, the machine does not like Ron DeSantis, so there is certainly common cause there. Um, I think Tulsi has to figure out like if she wants to be in politics first. I, I can't speak for her, so I don't know that she even wants to go back into politics. You know, she guest hosted Tucker Carlson while I was off the grid. That's interesting, so maybe she wants to go into broadcasting a little bit more. Um, but I think that the two of them, it is the, it's the right idea. So I don't have to explain why I like Ron DeSantis. I think you guys get it. But then you have a female, so you get some of the identity politics points. 
but you get what at that point would be considered a former Democrat, a moderate, someone that 20 years ago, almost every Democrat would agree with on everything, who will be called all of the worst things in the book, right? She will be, they will trash her and try to take her out and destroy her and all of those things. Um, but I think it potentially could be a winning ticket. I mean, this all goes to whether DeSantis is gonna run or not, where Trump is gonna be. DeSantis still has uh, a, a governor race here in Florida that he's got to mop up on, which I think he will. So um, we shall see, but, I, but look, I would gladly, I can say that very plainly, I would gladly support that ticket. Uh, Shannon says, when are you gonna be on Bill Maher? Really looking forward to this. How are you feeling about it? I truly hope you can help encourage him to finally swallow the red pill Love your show as always and so happy you're back. So I am doing Bill Maher's podcast. This is his, he started a podcast about six months ago. This is his two hour, supposedly unfiltered, uncensored conversations that he has with people. It's called Club Random. They do it from his house. So I am going back to Los Angeles. I'm flying to LA people. Phoenix, you're coming too. How do you feel about that? Not like that. Uh, we are going to LA uh, two hours and I'm gonna sit down with Bill. Uh, they've told me they don't want it to be purely political in nature, right? Because he's trying to do something a little bit different than real time on there. So look, I'm open to talking about anything and everything. I will, if it presents itself, nudge him the ways that I've tried to nudge him here. I hope that when it ends that he thinks that I'm someone that uh, is saying something worthwhile and whether we agree or not, it was a, it was a valuable conversation, but I'm gonna try. I really am gonna try. I mean, Bill, why are you a Democrat at this point? Why do you, do you honestly believe that all the religious people are crazy? What big government policies do you believe in? Maybe I'm tipping off a little too much if his producers are watching, but I'm not trying to get him either. You know what I mean? Like I wanna have that battle. Uh, when I started doing standup in 98, like it was one of my dreams was to be on Politically Incorrect. Those of you of a certain age don't even remember Politically Incorrect. That was his show on ABC for about 20 years before he got real time on HBO, which eventually was canceled basically because of some remarks he made about 9-11 that were totally misconstrued by the media. So there's a lot to talk about. Uh, what's interesting also is that, uh, you know, most of the people that have been on there have been like real close friends of his. He's had Adam Carolla on there, who's a good buddy of his. He's had William Shatner. He's had more, you know, sort of traditional celebrity types. So maybe they're trying to shift the show a little bit by having somebody like me on there. He's had Jay Leno on, Jimmy Kimmel. So obviously it's gonna be a different situation uh, with a guy like me. So, so we shall see. And, and then look, I'd still do the other show. I'd still do real time. They've canceled me on there a couple of times, uh, but I'm not interested in like creating a fight about this. What I'm interested in is, hey, you were the standard bearer of liberalism in America for 20 years. Liberalism, atheism, that, that purely secular thing, it, it seems to have crumbled. You seem to recognize that. I'm not sure why you would be wildly against a guy like Rand Paul or even a guy like Ted Cruz. Would you vote for a guy like Ron DeSantis? You shot your last HBO special a couple months ago here in Florida. Uh, you're always talking about how good Florida is. Let's get you to the promised land, man. And I'll buy you bag of weed after, <laughs> whatever you want. Uh, Snow Baby says, uh, you have mentioned previously that you weren't too interested in having kids. It was something David wanted. Now that you have your first baby, how have things changed? Do you feel differently connected? It's not so bad, enjoy it. Uh, the first two weeks were the hardest for me. Do you guys feel like you're ready for baby 
number two next month, wishing you all the best. So I said to Connor this morning, it's like, it's crazy that we're gonna have another baby in like a couple weeks. Like the baby could come at any point at this point. Like it's supposed to come middle of October, but you know, we're, we're closing in. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've sort of explained it already. Like I do, I feel different. I feel a different way to the world. I've always felt a certain way to the world on me. It's why I do this. I feel a certain world weariness or something. It's why I try to, why I've spent these years trying to make the world a little bit of a better place. Hopefully, sometimes I've done it well, sometimes probably not so well. But now I feel this double pressure. It's like, if I was gone tomorrow, it's like, hopefully I did something so that this kid has a chance, right? Like the incredible chance, you know, I wrote about it in the first book. It's like, my family coming to America was mostly my great grandparents. It was great, great grandparents on one side, but mostly great grandparents. Uh, and my great grandparents had it better and my grandparents had it better. and My parents had it better and I've had it pretty good and my siblings have it pretty good. And I want these kids to have it pretty good. And it's, it's the, it's that belief in freedom and that the, the experiment can work. And why do we, why do we want to conserve things from the past? Well, I have, I have this child that I want to conserve those things so I can send him off into the future doing well. Um, but I'm really looking forward to when he can play basketball. That's the main thing. I've carried him out on the basketball court a couple times. Uh, can't dribble yet. There's no, well, he can dribble, but, but no dribbling of a basketball. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's good. It's good. Lloyd, do you think Twitter will double down on censoring now that it looks like Elon is walking away? Yeah, Twitter is an absolute disaster. The, the censorship there is insane. It's also being ramped up as I talked about yesterday, YouTube has gotten completely insane uh, also. So I hope that many of you are watching on Rumble right now. And I know our Rumble live stream views have been very good lately. So I hope that that'll continue. But yeah, Elon's not gonna buy the thing. There's, there's no way, it's very disappointing because I think there was a chance for something amazing to happen. But I think at this point, it's like, you know what? You can want something, you can fight for something. And then, and then at some point, hey, Reality smacks you in the face, you gotta let it go. He was willing to buy it if 5% of the traction was fake. It might be 80%, but it's probably at least 50% and the shadow banning and all of the stuff. And it's also not fun anymore. Th that's the other thing. It, Twitter used to be fun. Like there was this cool thing. You could meet people either that you liked or admired or athletes. You could, they had funny little hashtag games. Like there was a fun thing there. And now it's just like, it's an endless misery machine. So I haven't left it all together and every now and again, I'll still open it during the day, but I'm doing it way, way less. And uh, we even created, just, just to show you the level that these things infiltrate your lives. The other day I had Phoenix uh, create a, an alternate Twitter account so that I could just follow a few things that help us give, get clips for this show. So that instead of me having to be on Twitter where I'm scrolling and interacting and seeing all the nonsense, we were like, let's just, what are the 20 accounts that are the best things to follow so that I don't have to pay much attention to the noise, but just get the, the factual stuff that I want to cover on this show. So that's the direction we're going with all this, but no, I don't think it's going to get better at this point. Uh, Jenna says, how's Clyde been with the new baby edition and the changes that come with it? Clyde has been amazing and we were worried about that. I told you, since he got down here to Florida, the lizards and the iguanas and the frogs and the snakes, he's been nuts. And then we got him retrained. He's been way better, but we brought him into the house. And for a few days before the baby uh, came, you know, we put some baby clothes around. We wanted to have him to have a distinction between baby clothes and baby toys and stuffed animals between the baby's stuff and his stuff. So we were trying to do a little bit of that. Um, he has been really great. Like if we put Justin in the docketot. It's the little sort of portable baby holder that you can put on the couch. We can put it on the couch. Kyle will go right up next to him, 
get in a little ball, just kind of look at him. If, if he starts crying, Clyde will kind of look at him, see what he can do. If he's in his bedroom and he's crying, Clyde will kind of give us a signal as if we can't hear it too. Uh, he's been really great. But of course, all that being said, you have to be careful to some degree. I'm not concerned that he would ever maliciously do something violent, um, but he is still a young dog, three, three and a half years old. He gets super excited. He gets the, the, the zoomies, the crazies. So you don't want him to jump on him or accidentally, whatever. Um, but he's been really, really great. So that's been, uh, that's been great. We'll see when baby two comes, maybe Clyde's lack of attention, he'll start snapping. Uh, Pratt says, with Biden as just the figurehead, who exactly is running the show? It seems to be too carefully coordinated to not have someone at the, at the top. Who is it? Well, you know, we talk about this a lot. I don't know. Is it the Obama sh machine? Is it the Hillary machine? Is it some combination of that? Is it something else we don't fully understand? Is it the World Economic Forum? Is it Klaus Schwab? It's something. It's something, and we all know it's something, but we don't know what it is. But that's why I keep telling you when, when Biden does these divisive speeches, when they put him with the ridiculous optics of that red background, you must know that it is intentional. So I see all of these people who keep falling for it. I mean, usually, you know, conservative people, they'll be like, Biden gave his worst speech ever. Didn't they know? And how does it, how did they not prepare for the optics of that? And it's like, they're doing it intentionally. They are trying to scare you and manipulate you and use double speak. So on one, so literally from sentence to sentence, Biden, I want to be the president for everybody and a peaceful, tolerant America and blah, blah, blah. And then the next sentence, these MAGA Republicans are ruining democracy and should not be part of civil discourse. It's by design. He's just the buffoon, the, the, the plastic person that they put up there to repeat the stuff. So I don't know who it is. That's a very weird thing to say, right? Like it's, it's not, uh, I take no pleasure in that. I wish I knew who was really in charge. And, and then just compare that, say when Trump was president. You may have hated Trump as a person. You may have not liked Trump's policies, but you knew they were coming from Trump, right? You knew that Trump was up there saying what he thought. And that, I think that that's an extremely important part of the presidency, whether you agree with them or not, especially in a world that feels very post-truth and that fact checkers are partisan and all of that. It's like, you need to basically believe that the president of the United States Within, within certain parameters, you have a basic sense of who he is. Donald Trump, you had a basic sense of who he was and was he a braggart and over the top and an exaggerator? Of course, all those things. But did you feel like he loved America, that he didn't care what someone's skin color was? He wanted everyone to succeed? All, like from my perspective, of course, the answer to that is yes. Joe Biden, it's like, what can you, what can anyone, Maybe we should get, find somebody who, let's get somebody on who's a real Biden supporter. I, I don't know who that is besides Dr. Jill Biden. It's like, but what, what does Joe Biden actually believe? Does he fundamentally believe America is good? Does he? I don't know. I mean, he's ushering in all of the, the woke nonsense. So does he? Um, you know, what, what is it that Joe Biden believes in? that he has not reversed himself on? And it's not reversed himself because he evolved on, but it's just because he just wants more power now. I don't know. So I, I would love to know what's really going on there. But I think at the minimum, that's what you need from a president. A president is someone everyone has to look to and be like, oh, I have a basic understanding of, of how he views the world, right? And then maybe he's going to fall short on those things. Maybe he's not going to get a lot of those things accomplished. But I basically believe that that, I basically believe that he believes a set, a set of ideas. Without that, I don't know what you have. And that's what you have with Joe Biden. 
Steven says, when do you think you'll be heading back out on the road for a stand-up or speaking tour? It's gonna be a little bit. I, I think maybe next spring. Uh, obviously, I've wanted to be home for the last couple weeks with Justin and, and baby two's on the way. So we sort of felt, then I discussed it with my guys, that like this fall into, into Christmas, into the new year, it would be like, we'll be here basically. I have a couple gigs, like little one-off things and a few things throughout Florida. Uh, and then I've got the LA thing with, uh, with Mar. But like basically, let's just kind of stay home and, and get settled. You know, we moved to Florida, we did all this construction. This is the first time now in the last few weeks that kind of we're back to normal. We have a kitchen, we're cooking again, like all, all of those things. Um, so I think maybe in the spring we'll do like, a, maybe like a two week tour or something like that, something kind of quick. And I still want to do the Europe thing. You know, we, we had a huge European tour planned for Don't Burn This Book, the first book that obviously got canned because of COVID. And then I just didn't have enough time for the Don't Burn This Country tour to, to do the Europe thing because the book came out in April. Uh, I needed a little bit of time to be home for the baby and blah, blah, blah. So uh, stay tuned, stay tuned. Uh, Paula says, what do you think about the theory that Biden is egging on the Republicans in hopes that they'll retaliate with violence? I think there's something there. I think, And that's what I mean by these speeches are by design. When he says one thing that sounds peaceful and laudatory and loving and coalescing, and then the next sentence is sort of psychotic and, and, and really Hitler-esque. It really is the language that he's using, the othering that he's using. It's far worse than anything Donald Trump was saying. Um, so do I think it's sort of intentional to provoke some kind of response from Republicans? Yeah, because the more that they can provoke Republicans and the more that they can get Republicans to say crazy things, what will the media do? It'll suppress the crazy things that the Democrats say, and it'll inflate the crazy things that the Republicans say. That would be a pretty clever thing to do, say, I don't know, a month, two months, two days before uh, big elections are coming up, these, these midterms. So yeah, you can't put anything past these guys, but that's always why you give the devil his due. You cannot just say, okay, they're hypocrites. You cannot just say, okay, they're buffoons and they're idiots and they don't know what they're doing. You have to acknowledge it, that something, whether, it, whether you like it or not, they got us to this place. And until we readjust how we respond to them, which is obviously what I'm trying to get us all to do here and what I'm doing in my own life, that's why I moved companies and, and my life to Florida and, and like you have some chance in, in your life to separate from these people the, the most, as most as possible, as much as possible. And that's what you gotta do. Uh, we will have a cold close for you in just a moment. Uh, reminder, you can always join us on the live chat during the show at rubenreport.locals.com. Part two of my interview uh, with Donald Trump's son-in-law and advisor, Jared Kushner, is up on Rumble and YouTube right now. The full thing is up absolutely ad-free over at Locals. Uh, and tomorrow the panel returns. Uh, old guests, old old time, OG Ruben Report guests, uh, Spencer Clavin, Robert Barnes, and Amala Ekonobi will be on the show and uh, it'll be a good one. I'm looking forward to just mixing it up again. And uh, I think that's all I've got to say about that. See you tomorrow. As you know, the good news is in August, the economy created 315,000 jobs, which is important. We have created nearly 10,000 million jobs since President Biden took office, uh, which is the fastest job growth in history. So you're asking me, where is the success? Here it is. Wait, let me finish. Wait, wait, hold on.